0: When you're acting as your Doodle's teacher during training, do you know their learning style? Take our exclusive fun and free quiz to find out at thedoodlepro.com slash learning and make training more fun and successful. In this part two of my conversation with Denver Paw School's owner and training manager, we are going to discuss why your Doodle still continues needing training even as an adolescent and an adult. Training and learning doesn't stop once they've finished one puppy socialization class. That would be like me pulling my kid out after kindergarten and saying, got your letters, you learned enough. We're going to discuss why that's so important and what's going on when you have an adolescent doodle that knew how to sit or go into a downstay or not pull on the leash. And suddenly it seems like they forgot it all what is going on they're here to share with you and let you know if you want to know how to find a great facility great training program or a solid trainer listen to the last episode episode 13 where denver's paw school shares with people all over the world the red flags to look for when to run and what to feel great about when you find a facility or a training program Doodle breed dogs are easy to love, but can be challenging to parent. I'm Doodle expert Corinne Gearhart, also known as the Doodle Pro, and I'm here to help Doodle parents have a more fulfilling and rewarding experience with their doodles. No one has professionally worked with as many different Doodle breeds or has more experience with doodles than I have, and I love to share my expertise in a fun, compassionate, and non judgmental way. From my years of work and education in the pet care and dog training industry, I have an incredible network of skilled training, grooming, and veterinary professionals to share their knowledge with you and give you the doodle-specific answers you're looking for. I hope you enjoy today's episode as I help you parent your doodle like a pro. If you haven't done a puppy socialization class Or it feels like your doodle is regressing, that's okay. The window isn't shut. They still can learn to be comfortable and confident. The speed that you can go when they're a brand new puppy and they're just that little sponge can be faster, but the window isn't shut. There is still time. Listen to this podcast. To learn some great techniques to help your dog feel better about new situations, sounds, people's dogs, and more. The reason I invited these talented trainers is because I have personal experience with bringing my own dog to Denver's Paw School. When I started with our own puppy, it was during the beginning of the pandemic, and I wanted the best facility for my dog. Luckily, we were able to visit and do our orientation and everything ahead of time in person. And then, March. 2020 hit. And it was amazing seeing this company just pivot and serve pet parents, especially when so many of us were worried about truly being at home all the time and missing some great socialization windows. Colleen was in fact, the trainer that worked with us virtually with our dog. So even as a dog trainer, (laughs) it's so nice to have another set of eyes it's just like having a teacher for your child, like, you know, your child best and you read to them all the time, but having somebody else come and talk to you and say, this is what I'm seeing. And here's another trick from my toolbox. And
1: so in particular, what I was hoping or what we were hoping to accomplish with the older kinder pup two four to seven month age range was I actually find that's where a good portion of the change or changes mm-hmm. start happening where they are no longer that itty bitty puppy that, Needs all of your attention because they're going potty and they're tired and now they need a nap and all that stuff. But they're getting that first flush of hormones and they're trying to reorganize their social dynamics just like people, teenagers do. Mm-hmm. Not that dogs are exactly the same way as people, but what I was hoping to do with that class is continue the discussion of socialization because it's not done by any means. Yes, your yes. sponge period is gone, but The ground definitely becomes unsettled during that time frame. And if the puppy parents were thinking that they could stop with their outings or facilitation with social interactions, check on how they're doing with new people, how they're doing with those sounds still. I just wanted to bring that to the forefront that they're going to be going through some stuff and you still need to be there and ready to support them. And it's a little bit different because now, depending on what kind of dog you have, it could be 70 pounds at the end of the leash instead of 10 pounds at the end of the leash. So things like emergency leash strategies, when they're not responding to any of those cues that you've worked on, what can you do? How do I go about reintroducing these scary things for a teenage mind that is prone to bigger, big feelings? That's a, I think Sarah Strumming uses that term quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Definitely like it. And they respond generally more outwardly to a lot of yes. stuff more so than the smaller puppies. And so we try to have class topics about that and trying to gear the pet parent up for that. This is gonna this is likely to happen. And it's not anything you did or didn't do. It's just what they're physically going through at this point. And here they can still work on their social off leash time with unfamiliar dogs, but we're also gonna Try to give you these tidbits of information to help you buckle down <laughs> for this <Yes>. time period.
0: <laughs> and there is a, such a sweet spot that you can reach with your adult dog. Mm-hmm. It doesn't end at the twelve week or fourteen mm-hmm. week mark of working with them. What I find, especially as you mentioned, the seventy pound—I think of our Bernedoodles or larger Golden Doodles or Aussie Doodles. I can mm-hmm. go on, but mm-hmm. the larger ones, a lot of their parents feel mortified with the look of those bigger feelings with their dog. When it's a little puppy, oh, he's just a puppy. He's Mm -hmm. scared or doesn't know. But when that can look like barking or lunging because they want that scary thing to go away. I love a program that helps the dog parent understand they're not bad, you're not bad. Let's see what they're responding to and how can we change the feelings behind it.
2: I think with doodles, since we're talking about doodles yeah. and Colleen, I'm going to send you a wavelength on who I'm thinking <laughs> about here. <laughs> nudge this certain one. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there are doodles that struggle with overstimulation, like just mm-hmm. absolutely over aroused and continuing on it might be counterintuitive. Continuing on with the socialization might be like, Maybe I should put the brakes on that, but actually, if it's regimented and controlled in a way, I think that it can start to address some of those over arousal situations. But
1: can you pick up the some- <laughs> wink, wink, Colleen? We featured a certain doodle in our worked-up class, but I don't know if that's what- <laughs> a lot of
0: them fit this category. <laughs> yeah. When you see them at that point, we discussed before, as opposed to just throwing them in the deep end. When you're working with those adolescent or older dogs that are showing those big feelings,
1: it's not a point to where you, oh my gosh, they're having these reactions. So we're not going to go outside and we're not going to see dogs and we're not going to see people just because I don't want them to have that response. It's trying to find a location and a setting or even setting something up with helpers and friends and maybe Mm -hmm. people that you've even met in class and hopefully developed in your community to work with you at a level that your dog can handle. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things with teenagers is that some days they're like, Oh yeah, this is great. And they're like super responsive and Uh responding to every cue and look like a model citizen and they look like an adult dog. And then the next day it's like, where did that dog go? And it's the, all the rewiring brain is under construction. And when you have the dog that day, well, I was planning on going to the out, Outdoor barbecue with my friends and going to take them, but I don't think he can handle these 10 unfamiliar people in, in his mm-hmm. face. And that's fine. And that would be a better choice to make in that scenario. Because when they're telling you, like, oh, this is too much, it's. I very rarely am going to buckle down and just grit through it mm-hmm. and see if we can create space if there's an opportunity to do a soothing strategy, see if I can decompress or get them onto some type of mat or station that will that triggers some type of relaxation or focus and then see if we can handle what's going on in the environment. And if not, then it's a call it a day and let them sleep yeah. on it and then wake up the next day and you'll probably have a different dog <laughs> just because <laughs> of just because of where they're at hormone wise.
0: Yes. And what gets practiced gets perfected. So if the dog is being reactive, barking to get something to go away and that thing goes away because they're looking nutty to the stranger or whatever it is, that's getting perfected. Okay. If I act that way, that scary thing will go away. So I love that you're bringing some other strategies. So doodles in particular have an extended puppyhood and adolescence compared to some other breeds both from the poodle side. Adding the golden in, or some of the other ones that it can last longer that you're dealing with some of the adolescent behaviors. So, for those and even adult dogs, why would someone who passed their puppy classes still look for a training program or work with a trainer?
1: Some of the things that I find is noted is this is where they're seeing the biggest changes in their dogs. So I will routinely hear in this age range from five months to sexual maturity, he's never done that before. Mm But this is completely new, or it's only been around for the past couple weeks. And so having a trainer, having a support network, having a good resource of knowledge and a good environment where you can practice these things appropriately. So it doesn't turn into something that is then carried into adulthood. If we can essentially continue to pivot and adjust our training plan for, okay, this is the priority this week. Okay. We've got a good handle on it now. Now what's the new, what's the new thing to deal with? And that can, sometimes I feel like I just want to offer like a hotline service. (laughs) You have a new thing. (laughs) Here's a quick answer. And in, Obviously, in, in addition to classes and seeing somebody in person, but just being able to talk through all those things that crop up mm-hmm. is super important because you're potentially dealing with the most change out of any developmental stage.
0: It's like if so I stopped school with my son in kindergarten because he made some good friends and was able to play at the playground. And then now he's in middle school, which he is. Mm-hmm. God bless me. And I didn't have any other tools i'm just mm-hmm. good at the kindergartner mm-hmm. stage sit and stay right there we'll be back right after this quick break dog's body language is a foreign language to us humans are you wondering how fluent you are take our free quiz at thedoodlepro.com/body and find out how fluent you are in reading
2: dog's body language if we're thinking about our little puppies up to six, seven, eight months, and we've done the work, we've done our socialization, we have spent the time going through our obedience classes, we feel like we've ticked all those boxes, right? Mm -hmm. But there is no linear progression in a dog's life. It is going to be up and down. And even with our clients who have gone through the full array of obedience training and their dogs are, the puppies are quite young. There is that moment in their development, or it's more than a moment—a couple-month period where, yeah. what we hear is, it's like they forgot everything. Yes, what you, I, we've done this. Why are you misbehaving or not yes. listening to me? And from the owner's perspective, consistency and repetition will remain key. It through those, like you said, the doodles, their puppy age spans a bit longer, right? Get up to that year and a half, two year mark, right? You need to be consistent, whether it's in a class format or on your own. Classes just keep us honest, right? Yes. Keeps us working towards a goal and keeps it fresh and formatted. I'm not going to sit here and say, you need to come to class every week for two years. That's not (laughs) it. But you have to take everything that you've learned mm. right at home and maybe do a refresh here or there or tackle something new just to address that working relationship between you yes. and the A working relationship can be a lot of things. It can be practicing your obedience commands for sure. Mm. Purposely going to new environments to practice those things. It can be trick training. It can be agility training. It can be, oh gosh, there's a wealth of other things that you can do with your dog. Yes. But the thing is that you don't set your treat bag down and walk away and you're done. It's a lifetime commitment with your dog.
1: Yes. Yeah. And what I'm mainly thinking about right now is, is the human learner side of things. Cause I think your original question is I took the puppy classes. I did the six weeks of socialization or eight weeks of socialization. Mm-hmm. The information that you are likely going to be getting in those classes are, is dealing with that puppy in front of you. And I and there's no way that I'm going to that we're going to be able to cover the lifespan of what you may encounter. Right. So from like a human learning perspective if you've never had a puppy before, you're acquiring a whole bunch of skills, even clicker Mm -hmm. timing or treat delivery or what a Kong is or how to stuff it or what enrichment is. And you're probably feeling delusion overwhelmed just from that amount of information. And Mm -hmm. and so I do really try to keep things catered to the specific timeframe that they're in of what's the priority now. Okay, we got that on deck. Now what's the priority here? Because there's not enough time and no person is going to have enough mental space. No matter to, the skill. Yeah. To absorb all that information to handle where your dog is at as they're growing. So hopefully you can get that kind of guidance throughout that whole progression and, and journey there.
0: And as Kathy was talking about that stage, and we've all seen it with our own dogs and in working with our clients where they say, it's like they, we had this, mm-hmm. like we had that behavior on lock. And it is, they totally forgot. I'm curious, I know you guys have an age requirement to take the canine good citizen test, is like a minimum age. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. What is your thought process as to why you have an age recommendation that they reach before they are a candidate for canine good citizen?
1: I think our recommendation is a year and a half or two. And then if you have a large breed, probably three. Mm-hmm. just because I would like them to be in that adulthood to really see what type of dog we have now that everything's settled. Yes. And I also think something like the Canine Good Citizen is, yeah, you do the obedience things of sit and stay and come, but it's a relationship and communication mm-hmm. um, value test or challenge to go through. And three years with someone, that's not even that's a good relationship, but that's still a pretty young relationship. Yes. And with a species that's not even the same. So I think it's always good to have the canine good citizen goal. But that the recommendation would be to let them mature, let them get into adulthood, let the time that you've put into the relationship really generate and mm-hmm. strengthen, and then see where you're at with that particular standard. I think that's
0: so sound knowing how their training and development isn't linear and it doesn't stop when they have their first birthday.
2: Yeah. And I would just add that over the years, we have had younger dogs take the canine good citizen, but it is always with the caveat that you'll probably want to do this again, <laughs> right? Yes. You've got a 12 month old dog and You've done the training. You've done mm. the work. You've worked through all of these elements, which is wonderful. And we as humans, we have goals. We set goals for ourselves. Yeah. And they want to go ahead and take the canine good citizen evaluation. And I think that's great. Do it. But know that over the course of the coming year, you might want to continue with the work that you're putting in and maybe do the evaluation again down the road in this time frame that Colleen is talking about. And I think that speaks to why continuing
0: courses, which, as you said, it keeps us honest and accountable, mm-hmm. it puts it on your schedule. It doesn't have to be consistently every week for years. But just like my analogy with my now teenager, if I stopped at his learning needs at kindergarten, and even if I just kept reinforcing that kindergarten level, he'd be great at knowing his letters But his level of enrichment and stimulation and growth and connection by working on that training together, my dog and I are still growing and solidifying our connection together. And by adding that level of enrichment and opportunity for learning new things is giving some of our working dogs a job. Colleen, can you speak to it all? If a dog isn't given a job, we want to give them what that can show, (laughs) what that can look like and unwanted
1: behaviors. They will find their own job, whether that's being watchdog at at the back of your couch, barking at the window, alerting to anything that's outside, redecorating your house, depending (laughs) on how chompy they are, redecorating your yard with digging and jumping on the fence line, fence fighting Mm -hmm. with the neighbor dogs. The the list is endless. They're they're all dog behaviors, right? They're all things that they come with regardless. It's just... What their personal tendency is and what you have in terms of your breed combination as to what type of employment they, <laughs> they might enjoy best.
0: <laughs> now, I know on your menu of things that you address, muzzles are one of them. And a lot of puppy parents or pet parents in general, my dog's not aggressive. Mm-hmm. Why would I be working intentionally on muzzle mm-hmm. training?
1: Which Kathy and I had a <laughs> discussion about it, or a couple discussions before we yes. Put it on there. It's just one of those things where I almost I want to help normalize things Mm -hmm. too. Like we can do, we're gonna do our utmost to try to make sure that they're not feeling threatened or feel like they need to use aggressive behaviors in a situation. But if they are injured or if they I always relate to, I hike quite a bit. And what if my dog hurt his paw or broke something on a hike and I need to get him off of that mountain? He's probably going to be in pain. And, yes. no, in a million years, I would never think that he would bite me. But putting him in a muzzle and making sure that he's actually comfortable wearing it so it's not yet another uncomfortable thing for him is yeah. just it's like a seatbelt. I don't know when I'm going to get into a car accident, but I'm going to wear one because I'm putting myself like in a situation where something might happen. Mm -hmm. A muzzle can be that just to help with those safer situations. But I've even had more muzzle conversations with puppy parents who their puppy is on their third or fourth emergency vet visits to get something out of their gut (laughs) that they swallowed. (laughs) And it's... I want to help you teach them, leave it and drop it. And don't mm-hmm. put that in your mouth, but that's going to take, I can't give you an exercise that's going to be done in a, in 24 hours. Yeah. So let's keep them safe because you have kids in your household and you can't keep things off of the ground and you can't vacuum your outside and there's stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. And if you live in a city, they can gobble up stuff that even with the best vigilance, you're still not going to catch. So Even muzzles for that use, which isn't anything about being aggressive or being in pain. It's just just trying to keep them safe while you get the behavior on board, so you don't have to have another trip to the vet.
0: (laughs) I can share. I'll share in the show notes because he's so adorable. One of our clients and members of the Doodle Pro Society, Keanu, which he's as (laughs) handsome as who he's named after. I know you guys work with dogs like I do. So when you hear a fun name, like you get excited. <laughs> yeah. We get a lot of Charlie's and Bella's and Luna's. <laughs> so Keanu has a habit of swallowing the, the rocks, the small rocks that are in the yard. And it's going to take a lot of work to get all of those rocks out of there. It's all zero scaped. And his family, he's had surgeries that are like $3,000 yeah. to remove. Well, and the scariest part is that his life is at risk when he's eating these rocks. So yeah. the family, especially the kids gets so scared, like, yeah, him stop. And it turns yeah. into a chase. Mm-hmm. And the urgency of it takes away all of the training opportunity of leave it, drop it, etc. It felt really brave to me that they did muzzle training Mm -hmm. and he wears a basket muzzle that he's able to drink and pant and play in the yard so that everybody can relax a little in the yard while they're undertaking that big task of getting every rock out of there. And when people see pictures of Keanu and he has that muzzle on, some might worry, is he aggressive? And by every dog
1: practicing it, I could see your point, Colleen, that it really takes away some of that stigma. That's why I think our discussion, Kathy, and our discussion even before introducing it is how are we going to talk about this topic knowing that it is sensitive? And right now the culture and the response is, oh my gosh, what's wrong with that dog? But if we can introduce it thoughtfully and at a young age and then something that may register with someone and it becomes more Acceptable, um, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't have to be this brave <laughs> gesture as a pet guardian just to try to want to keep your dog safe. Yes, and for a dog that doesn't have any
2: tendencies or behaviors that require a muzzle, why not? It's just another exposure opportunity. You can think of it as trick training or just getting mm-hmm. your dog comfortable investigating and having their body touched in an unusual way. The stigma is a human side to it.
0: Dogs don't feel bad because we've introduced a muzzle. (laughs) It's another thing to condition to. Your team is one I respect so much. Working in Denver metro area, if I have a doodle come to work with me or even meet a doodle's family, and if I ask them about where they did training, if they said Paw School, I really don't even need to worry about my screening too much. I know that the foundation, I know the foundation is really in line with best practices and the highest standards and I also know that the parent who has chosen your program is really putting in that extra investment with their dog. So if you're in the Denver metro area, I cannot recommend Paw School highly enough. If they were to want to find you, Kathy, where could people in the Denver Metro area reach out or follow you?
2: Our website is denverpawschool.com and our location that we've been in since 2012 is fairly central Denver. It's off of Mm I-25 and Broadway, but we are going to also be opening a second location on the South Metro side of town near you um, in Greenwood Village that it will be opening Probably first, second week of November, 2022.
0: Oh, good. I'm so glad. I honestly could go on and on with questions because I really respect what you guys do and the methods that you use. I
2: think this was a great conversation. Thank you so much. If you have a puppy,
0: listen to episode 13, where our two guests are going to discuss with you what to look for in a puppy socialization program and when to run. I've really enjoyed doing our bonus episodes on different doodle mixes in celebration of International Doodle Dog Day. The last two weeks, our bonus episodes have covered Golden Doodles, Labradoodles, including Australian Labradoodles, and the dog that isn't even a doodle anymore, copper Dogs. And this week, we're going to cover the one closest to my heart, Cavapoos. My Nestle is a black F1B Cavapoo, and I'm going to share all about this special mix on Thursday. See you then. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the doodle pro podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And I invite you to follow me on Instagram at the doodle pro for behind the scenes peeks at all of the adorable doodles. I work with daily.